0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today.
1: This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move, or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
0: This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from the Bremerhaven Shipyard, where we're on board the Crystal Cruises Serenity, which has been here for about two weeks and is going nowhere as it gets a major refurbishment. And for those of you who've never seen a ship in dry dock, what an amazing behind the scenes experience it is. You know, it's not about looking at the product, it's about experiencing and understanding the process. Think about this, in the two week period that this ship will be going through its refurbishment, and it's a 15 year old ship, it'll probably get another lifetime of 15 years out of it. We'll be talking about almost 5,300 square miles of carpet, 2,000 square meters of carpet, 2,000 square meters of floor space. We're talking about replacing 2,000 chairs, 400 sofas, 10,000 square feet of fabric. By the way, they're stitching all the new fabric on board. Uh, We're talking nearly, you know, 40 miles of just thread alone. Uh, And then of course, all the cabling, all the electrical work, all the new equipment being brought on board. And remarkable for a ship going through a dry dock like this, they're not expanding the ship. They're not cutting it in half. Half. they're not adding a single cabin in fact what they're doing is they're reducing the number of cabins but expanding the current cabins to add more suites this doesn't happen very often in the cruise industry but it's happening in the luxury part where the demand for luxury suites is increasing and you know what what better time to do that than right now joining me now someone who knows his way around a shipyard because well this is his company he's the ceo and president of crystal cruises tom Walber, how are you sir
3: very good pleasure me- to be here
0: you know, and in the introduction of the show, I talked about, you know, the fact that we are not on a moving vessel right now. We are literally in dry dock, something that most passengers never see or never experience. All right. Uh, and in, in the history of most cruise ships, it might happen maybe two times, maybe three in, in the entire lifetime of a ship. So this is a ship, the Serenity, that was built in 2003. It's 15 years old. But you're doing a top-to-bottom refurbishing here uh, at a time when every shipyard is at 100% capacity. Everybody's building more and more capacity. You've made the choice not to build a new ship right away. I mean, you're all bu- you are building other ships, but in this particular case, let's do this one over and make it better.
3: That's right. We uh, Well, actually, every ship goes every five years twice into dry dock, and new ships go once every five years. And we took the advantage of this three-year dry dock not to only do a big technical overhaul, but to really refurbish it and, and bring it up to the standard of what our luxury uh, traveler expects from uh, from Crystal and from the luxury Cruising in in general, so we are redoing a lot of our public spaces. All the floors are being redone in our public spaces. A number of our big public spaces are being completely reimagined, uh, for lack of a better term. And we are doing 40 some brand new suites on uh, on deck 10.
0: But for somebody listening to the show who might be somewhat familiar with with shipbuilding and, and cruise ships, they might impre- they might interpret this to mean you know you're expanding the ship, you're adding cabins, you're doing just the opposite. Yeah, which we. Which I never heard of.
3: Yeah, we're going the other way. Uh, we actually are reducing the passenger count by about 90 passengers. And the main reason for that is that we wanted to make sure that our passengers have the options of the freestyle dining, the, the, the open seating dining where they can choose when they want to eat, where they want to eat. And to do that, we needed to bring the passenger count a little bit down. And that combined with the with the fact that luxury travel tends to offer more space per passenger than than your typical uh, cruising experience, and we needed to uh, up our game a little bit. So we took both of those into account, and we're going to offer open seating, and we are going to have a little more uh, space per passenger available. And on top of that, we keep the same amount of crew, so we have a little higher crew count per passenger, so we can actually even take better care of them than we have done so so far. So the
0: crew-to-passenger ratio has actually gotten better.
3: Yes, it has.
0: Let me give you an analogy here, because what I'm seeing in the travel industry in general is that there's an increase in the upper end, an increase in the lower end, and the middle sort of getting squeezed out a little bit. So uh, you see this in the airline industry, where yeah. everybody's buying either the lowest possible fare or they're uh, in the front of the cabin, and nobody else knows what coach means anymore. Mm-hmm. In the cruise industry, I think I see the same thing. You're seeing high-end luxury ships everywhere now, uh, yes. uh, right? Where they, and you're filling the cabins. Yes. And, and then you're also seeing a lot of other new entrants coming in, offering you know, like, sort of like the Ryanair of, of cruise lines as well. So you almost had to decrease the, 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 the cabins to, su- to satisfy that need for not only luxury but exclusivity. Well, you're
3: absolutely right. And our passengers have been waiting for new vessels for quite a long time. But we have decided to, to first expand our product portfolio with the river ships that we just launched, the expedition ships that we're currently building. And to do that, uh, we had to put new passenger volume for the ocean cruising vessels uh, on, on a little bit of a slow burn. It won't come out until 2022. So that means that we have to make do with the vessels that we have currently, and make do is probably not the right term because they're fantastic vessels. We just had to make them even more fantastic than they already were to to keep everyone uh, really wowed by the product that we're offering to them.
0: And your passengers now are sophisticated enough to know if you're not.
3: They are very sophisticated, and and as you said, there's uh, more and more new entrants into the market uh, that that come with a reputation that come with a name uh, think rich carlton for instance and people know what to expect in the luxury market. and Well, it's not
0: just the luxury market, it's also the lifestyle market. That You yes. have Ritz-Carlton on one end, you have Virgin on the other. Way before you even bought a shipyard, and by the way, you just didn't buy one, how many did you guys buy? Well, we bought three in eastern Germany.
3: <laughs> this one is already there, and yeah. then there is a smaller one in Italy.
0: So you're busy, but before you ever did that, every shipyard was operating at 100% capacity, because if you take a look at the cruise industry as a whole, and you put it in some sort of historical perspective, you're still essentially in your infancy. Yes,
3: that is correct.
0: Yeah. I mean, how many people, as a percentage of the American population, the adult American population, have even been on a cruise?
3: Well, I think that currently it, uh, it, it the number is around 8%. Uh, and that b- surprised a lot growing. of people. It's growing.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it surprises people because they thought that ever since the love boat came on the air back in the 70s, everybody was on a cruise. It did put the cruise industry on the map. There's no doubt about that, that show, right? Right. Everybody still talks about that, but it's still 8%.
3: Yeah, it is, it is not massive. And outside, of the United States, that number is even lower. So the, the the penetration in the international markets, that by the way, for the luxury market and for the uh, for the lower end market that you mentioned before, is uh, is growing. The demand is growing, but the penetration in the cruise market is even lower. It's uh, in in some cases under five percent, and in uh, in 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 others it, it hovers around five percent.
0: All right. So let's talk about the eight percent in another way. It doesn't necessarily mean that ninety-two percent want to go. No, it doesn't. And you can't build for that ninety-two you have to manage the growth
3: yes and we don't count on the 92% uh, that would be terrible for the, uh, for, for the complete uh, travel industry as a whole but it is uh, something where there is plenty of growth opportunities still available. And if you just think about the, the, the little fact that in the next 10 years, Europe alone is expecting an additional 100 million Chinese uh, tourists to come and visit, uh, th- th- there is just not enough capacity in the current land product to satisfy that. So almost by default, the cruise industry will pick up some of that uh, of that capacity demand.
0: Well, the demographics of those passengers are changed as well. The traditional Chinese traveler from 10 years ago was a group trip with somebody holding a flag and people mm-hmm. walking around and not spending a lot of money. That is completely thrown out the window now. The average Chinese traveler spends over $6,000 a week on their vacations.
3: Yeah, that is correct. and Which and is right
0: in line with your demographic.
3: That is right in line with our demographic and, and we see a growing amount of Asian travelers on our ships and obviously Crystal, because it was a Japanese owned company before uh, already was well penetrated into uh, into Asia and particularly into uh, Japan. But we're growing now in other areas uh, within Asia as well.
0: And then, of course, the one thing we haven't talked about, which you guys have just entered recently, is, is the river cruise market.
3: Yes, the river cruise market has been explosively growing uh, really over the over the last 10 years, uh, led, of course, by the tremendous growth of Viking. And then there's a number of other big brands in there and we just entered that, that market as well and we have five ships currently. I mean,
0: Torhagen has gone out of control he's christening sometimes 10 ships on the same day and he's filling them
3: yes he likes to do things in a big way and he does it well
0: but the point is if he's filling those ships the minute he launches them that means there's there's space out there for a lot of other people including crystal
3: yeah there is and f- truly when you think about crystal we are the first truly luxury brand on the river that again brings that sense of space where most of the all shi- your
0: ships are all sweets aren't they Yes they 're all sweets
3: yeah. and and they don 't carry more than a hundred and six passengers uh, or a hundred and two or on most of them. And that is something that w- the same space other uh, river cruise companies put about 160 passengers on. So you can imagine what kind of space uh, y- you get then per passenger.
0: Of course, your two biggest challenges on river cruises is finding a place to tie up where you're not tying up to seven other river cruises, and of course, the river themselves in terms of the water levels.
3: Right, and the the, the port uh, capacity, the port availability is an issue on ocean and river, actually, but, but we're solving for that, and, and, and that is manageable. What is much harder is is, is the water levels. Uh, if they get too low and you just can't pass anymore, you have no option but to alter itineraries. And, I mean, uh,
0: this year alone, you've had extremes. You've had the lowest levels and the highest levels.
3: Yeah, this uh, this spring, we had the highest level that the, the rivers have ever seen since recording uh, water heights. And now we have the lowest water levels ever seen since recording water heights. It's, uh, it, it's a wild ride.
0: It is a wild ride, or it's no ride at all. Or it's no <laughs> ride at all, exactly. You mentioned port. I mean, if you take a look at the cruise industry as a whole, what's staggering, to me at least, is there are at least 1,100 ports that the cruise industry now calls on. It's not just a traditional seven-day Caribbean cruise where you're in Nassau one day and St. Martin the next. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, and that that number continues to grow with, with, with the amount of ships that continue to grow. However the the amount of ports that is available for for the size of ships that the big cruise lines are building now the the, the 130000 tons upwards is much more limited than that 1,100, and that's where the uh, where the rub is going to be for the future is is developing enough capacity that th- that type of uh, ship can uh, can actually continue to offer attractive itineraries.
0: Although for those ships, I would almost suggest that it's not about their itinerary; they marketed themselves as destinations in themselves, and half their passengers don't even know where they're going.
3: And that is true, but if you uh, if if you do not offer an attractive itinerary, you won't book them in the first place. Exactly.
1: Toto, I have a we're not in Kansas anymore.
0: joined now by the captain of the ship, Egil Geske, who you are a veteran of Crystal. You have been on with the company for many, many years uh, from Norway, where they have those really ugly fjords.
4: Mm, Yes. Yeah,
0: that's where you're from. Yes most passengers most people listening to the show really have no idea what a ship dry dock is means uh, what it really goes through they think a ship gets into dry dock and you know they might fix an engine or something this is way bigger than that
4: yes it is it's a huge uh, project and and for for 4 weeks now we're going to pretty much do all the ship a lot of all the, the public rooms are involved we have a lot of cabins that are renovated and upgraded we have the engine part uh, pods that have all taken down
0: and for those people who don't know what an engine pod is, uh, most people who think that ships have sh- drive shafts and and propellers and rudders, well, you might want to think again, the new class of ships, and by the way, this ship was built in 2003, it was really new back then, are pod propulsion sh- uh, ships, meaning there is no rudder, the actual propeller in the pod spin 360 degrees and can move the ship in just about any direction and speed that the captain wants.
4: Yes, it's uh, very advanced uh, and it's my favorite way of equipment to maneuver a ship because it's so fast. Flexible and uh, you can pretty much do anything you want.
0: But I'll make you a bet that when it first came out, you were a little bit skeptical.
4: I I was uh, because when you come from symphony, which is the uh, sister, everything is opposite. When you when you turn the handle upstairs, you think you're going to starboard, but actually when you turn it to starboard, it goes to port.
0: A lesson I hope you learned not painfully.
4: <laughs> that was no 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 that <laughs> went very well. It's, it only takes a few few days and then you get the hold of a hang of it. Exactly.
0: But they perfected it now. They had some problems at the beginning with the manufacturer, but the point is. Now they're they're working.
4: Yes, they're working. They've they've been pretty good uh, the whole time and for this ship. It's uh, we had incident as I told you in the typhoon in uh, down in Australia, but there was that was nothing to do with uh, with the pod or the ship. So that's now they've been working very well.
0: And a dry dock for a ship like this is not an inexpensive proposition. We're talking a lot of money spent.
4: Yes, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of investment, and plus you lose revenue for you don't have any guests paying guests on board, so it's expensive. Yes.
0: You gave me a statistic earlier, off ca- off camera, off mic, where you're painting the bottom. Yes. Uh, I I live on a boat. Yeah, you got to paint the bottom, right? Yeah. I paint my bottom of my ship with bottom paint. Yes. Right. You have a special kind of silicone paint. Yes, correct. That is supposedly going to make you glide through the water faster with less resistance. Yes. Which obviously affects your fuel burn. Yeah. How long is the ship?
4: It's two hundred fifty meter. 820 feet.
0: 820 feet, and you're using a special kind of silicone paint? Yes. How much does it cost a gallon?
4: It's more than $500 a gallon. All
0: right, I'm going to let all my listeners do the math on this one. A ship that's 820 feet long, and the paint is $500 a gallon. It's a lot. Of that. that would bankrupt most for small corporations. I mean,
4: yeah. We're actually supposed to get our money back in fuel saving. What they're telling us is that you save about 8% fuel. And that's a lot. When we have a, we have a quite a extensive fuel budget for two ships.
0: Well, when you think about naval design, there've been, you know, look. Once you put in stabilizers, once you put in the 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 bow bulb, Hmm. you know, that's also for stability, uh, and it does make a difference.
4: Yes, it does. It's
0: uh, it's not just for stability; it's actually for performance.
4: The bulbous bow is for that's the least resistant you can have on a. uh, That's like formed like a drop of water. So that's, that's why we have the bulbous bow. And it works. It works, yes. It does. It's amazing. And what, it, what's yes. been
0: the biggest challenge for you during this dry dock?
4: Well, the challenge is to, to keep the schedule, and we have, we have logistic issues sometimes with cranes and with all this. We had so much uh, things going out, like garbage. We have two days. So we actually started in Lisbon, and it's amazing how much is going out. It's, it's a lot.
0: Basically, you're having the world's largest yard sale. Yes, yes. Oh, we <laughs> g-
4: gave away all our chairs and tables and beds. We gave away for charity in in Lisbon for, so we didn't have to throw it.
0: Now, the last time I was on the ship was about two years ago. We did a piece on CBS uh, about a woman named Mama Lee, yeah. who, by the way, it was our, one of our highest-rated segments ever, about a woman who, for the last I think eight or nine years at that point, had lived permanently, and I mean permanently on this ship. Yes, correct. Um, And, in fact, we saw her right before the ship sailed on the first attempt, which you succeeded in, of the Northwest Passage, a a route that had not been done for quite some time.
4: Yeah, we were the first cruise ship in this size going through the Northwest Passage. And
0: And you had a little bit of help with the Canadian Coast Guard. I mean, you went in sort of a a convoy because this is uncharted territory.
4: Pretty much, yeah. There is is very little uh, Depth sounding on the Northwest Passage because it hasn't been open for for that long. And like the first time, it was very little ice, but the last last time we went was was very very dense ice and old ice, so it was difficult to get through.
0: But you got through.
4: We got through, yes.
0: In time. In you, time. You were not delayed.
4: No, we're not delayed. Right. What was your average speed? Uh, I I I wouldn't say it ever. Probably ten, twelve knots.
0: At the most. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do it slowly.
4: Yes. <laughs> well are in the ice you can you know, have to go down to two, three knots. So That's right. Yes. That's and then p- we also had to have an icebreaker to, to help us through. Uh, they
0: that was your escort, yes. yes. In fact the Canadians wouldn't let y- you wouldn't let you do it without that.
4: Yeah. Now we had uh, the Shackleton, which was yes. our extra ship the, You hired uh, them. Yes. And then we had uh, on top of that we had a Canadian icebreaker to Amazing. to make uh Opening for us to go through. And you made
0: it through unscathed. Yes. But now you got to paint the ship again. Exactly. <laughs> uh, they took a
4: lot of the paint. And uh, also the barnacles is gone.
0: Well, that, they performed that service for you. Yes. They just shaved it right off. Yes. yes. Amazing. But you're building uh, a new ship called the Endeavor. Yes. Which is, is essentially being built as an ICE-class ship. Yes. So that's not going to be a problem
4: for them. It's that. going to be an Arctic yacht. And uh, they're going to have a lot of equipment, two helicopters. They're going to be state-of-the-art Amazing. And that's going to come out in uh, 20, 2020. No, 20. Yes, 2020, and they're going to s- go into service after the Olympics in Japan, and then we're we'll taking a on the in August of 2020. If you are continuing on to another Southwest
3: destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care.
0: Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at wwwaudiblepodcastcom travel today to get a free audiobook and 30 day trial. Anytime a ship goes into dry dock, or from, for that matter, anytime there's an opportunity to make a change, even in a new build, my next guest has something to do with it, because she's the design manager on this refurbishment. She's actually the design manager for Crystal on all of their ships, Eleonora Brugnolato. Wow.
2: Did I, said, get, did I get it right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Thank
0: you. <laughs> I've always wanted to ask a couple of questions because there's a psychology to design. Not just in terms of space or style, but there's a psychology. Are there certain colors you avoid?
2: We try to pick up the colors that we think uh, would please most uh, our guests in this moment. It's not only a matter of uh, design, it's a matter of making people comfortable. It's oh, a matter sure. of, you know, feeling them welcome.
0: I mean, for me, you know, obviously I think we all share we don't like hospital green. I mean, it, it's just like institutional oh, and it, it means you're like sick, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there, you can always be too bright. I, I walked into a hotel once in, in Istanbul, and it looked, I, I called it like, you know, a dairy queen. It was just out of control, but they got too busy. Okay. Right? What do you actually try to do to make sure that, you know what, this is going to make people feel comfortable, it'll make them feel soothing, see, what, what you know, what, what is the mood you're trying to capture?
2: In this refurbishment, we went for bluish tone and, uh, let's say, coldish tones for some areas, and uh, more warmer colors for other areas. For example, in the restaurant or in the lounges, we try to have more warmer colors, because People have to feel comfortable and cozy, and uh, you know, relax in the atmosphere. For other rooms, uh, we decided to go for more cold color because it's a it's a sort of passage. Maybe it's the stairways or it's a, you know the entrance. So we wanted to design uh, for the specific spaces, let's sure. say. So, uh, but it's not only the combination of the colors; it's a combination of the whole materials. You know, it's a it's the feel, it's a, it's the feel that you have, and you know, the the style that you want to reach, uh, the perception that you want to give to the to the guests when they enter. You know,
0: there was a, a, a wonderful story about a guy named Barry Sternlich who used to run Starwood Hotels. And he realized early on when he took over, that he couldn't change the the actual square footage of the rooms at his hotels. He was stuck with that. So he said, okay, where can I make a difference in the design, right? And he said, anything that touches the skin, right? So it would be the bed, right? The bathrobe, the towels, even the shower head and, and the curtains. And he came up with the, the heavenly bed, which became the whole branding for Western hotels. And people went out and bought them for their own homes. It became a retail item that was started as a hotel idea. Of course. So... Uh, for, do you even get involved in, in that area too in terms of what touches the skin the bedding the fabric on the on the carpet the, the thickness of the carpet
2: yes for sure yes we don't design let's say considering the outfitting of the interiors we don't design the uh, bed linen for example we don't pick up because it's another kind of choice let's say we design for sure the carpet and yes it's uh, I think so. yeah we try to cover as much as possible the feeling or at least to work as a team with the people that you know, select uh, other kind of uh, feature.
0: I mean, a lot of things get overlooked sometimes in, 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 in hotels or cruise ships. Oh, they just put down the carpet, you know, because people are just going to walk on it. But people make decisions based on that, don't absolutely,
2: they? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's very important that you feel comfortable on the carpet because it's nothing worse to feel, you know, unpleasant carpet and walking, you know. <laughs> it's not a nice... So we uh, made our utmost to have a, a very uh, soft and... Uh, uh, you know, uh, pleasant carpet And yet walk at the same
0: in. time, you're on the ocean there's humidity, there's yeah. salt air, you have to be careful about that.
2: The choice of material is a big part of our job I have to say, because uh, it's not only a matter of colors and, uh, you know uh, design, look, but it it's also a matter practical. of maintainability, so the sustainability of design is a big part of our job. Even new material, you know, nowadays we have fantastic choices so uh, we need to study and pick up uh, the right things that can not only look better, but, uh, you know, be durable and uh, make also life uh, of people on board easy. Our crew that has to maintain uh, all the things that broken or, you know, scratched sure. uh, or stuff like this. Uh, but maintaining, of course, the crystal style, which is a very high standard. So it's a combination that is uh, quite challenging. <laughs> I at the same say.
0: time, you also have to make it fire safe. I mean, you have of to, you, course. everything has, it's not just one dimensional. Of course. You might love a particular carpet, but yes, it won't work.
2: Uh, yes. Yeah. let's remember that the fire is the most critical thing in a ship, it's not the water. You know, everybody thinks, oh my god, the ship is sinking. No, the ship can get fire, and this is a problem. Of course, huge problem. So, every material that we select has a, a specific certification that uh, it's called IMO and is, uh, of course, uh, with the fire rating. Riding along in my automobile,
5: my baby beside me at the wheel and playing the radio With no particular place
0: to go and Joining me now the man who happens to be the vice president of Hotel New Build and Refurbishment, otherwise known. He's the project director. Let's call him what he is.
6: Jan Sorensen, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you.
0: You know, you have a unique position here because... The shipyard is also owned by the cruise line.
6: That's right. We, have, we are fortunate that uh, our owner has a couple of different shipyards here in Germany. Um, and obviously, Bremerhaven is, or Lloyd Werft as it's called, Is one of our uh, joint venture, uh, together with three other yards, uh, Wismar, Rostock, and Stralsund, called as the MB Werften.
0: You know, one of the things that I noticed in other shipyards during other, not refurbishments, but actual new builds, was there was a communication difficulty because the owners of the of the ships couldn't really communicate because nobody spoke Italian or nobody spoke Finnish.
6: Yeah. Here, you do speak the language. Yeah, and, it, you know, we speak the language, and it somehow makes it easier that we are on site. So, you know, in a regular scenario, you will have the owners coming in uh with their ship to a various dry dock situation can be in spain portugal uh germany whatever and the owner comes in or the operator comes in and start meeting up with a yacht that is like you said different backgrounds different languages and everything um we the site team here we're based in germany we're based at the yacht so of course you know it's a lot easier on the operations that we can you know the interact between the the yard and the and the owner in that way.
0: Of course, if you don't do a proper amount of pre-planning, the two most dangerous words you hear are change order.
6: That's right. That uh, We passed that. We don't do change orders now, no.
0: Never? I it's, Don't it's, say never to me. I,
6: I won't say never, you know, but... Um, I built a house before. I know what change orders <laughs> are all about. They're dangerous. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we try in, in, in dry docks not to do that. It happens more often in, in, in new builds where, you know... Uh, you have a slightly longer time to do it and then as you start seeing uh, the different spaces become alive, um, you can then have second thoughts and you will have a longer period and you can't can't do change orders.
0: See, I'm waiting for a cruise line just to name their new ship Second Thought. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. And some of those ships really were. But The bottom line is you have a very finite amount of time to do this because your deadline is you have paying passengers coming up any minute now. Yes. And if you don't deliver the ship, that's even more revenue you're not going to get
6: right plus the disappointment in the guest you know the, you know, it's like that you plan year two years ahead for your holidays you know we are not just a weekend stay so once you book at crystal you book for two weeks i mean that's that's something that needs to be planned ahead and uh, we stick into that we promise you your cruise and you'll get it what's been the biggest challenge for you during this this refit i won't pinpoint a specific challenge because and and, and i have to say knock on wood in this case here you know it is It is rarely that everything just seems to fall in places and I think why we can say uh, for us in this scenario is that we are the same owner okay so we don't we have eliminated a lot of the risk factors by having this pre-coordination the mutual understanding between the shipyard and the operation so Knock on wood, if the weather stays the way it is and we can paint, we can sandblast the hole, you know, there are some factors that can play in. But at this, this right now, as I'm talking to you, Mr. Peter groenberg this is the, uh, <laughs> we, we are on schedule. You mentioned sandblasting. You're not using sand. No. It's, it's high-pressure water. That's right, yeah.
0: I mean, it's better.
6: It's better, absolutely. It's more effective.
0: Earlier today, I actually had the opportunity of walking under the ship with the captain. What a remarkable
6: experience that is because it's the only time you truly get an idea of how big this thing is. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it's always like that. I mean, when you're standing down looking up, right? It's like... Yeah.
0: It's, uh, it's overwhelming. When people visit the ship, especially during dry dock, what's the biggest surprise for them that they're not expecting?
6: During the dry dock? I think for... Let's say the onboard staff, for instance, who, who are the ones that are participating in this dry dog. The contractors come well, well prepared and have done numerous of dry dogs. Now, our biggest contractor is ourselves. So when we take our waiters or our stewardesses, our skilled <laughs> personnel out, and now we put a boiler suit on them, a hard hat and safety shoes and goggles, and say, hey, now, you're, you know, you're shifting mode, I think that's a change.
0: Plus, you've got 1,200 people working two shifts, right?
6: That's 24 right. hours a day. That's right, yeah. And it doesn't stop. No, 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 it's not. From, from, from the very beginning, we work 24 hours around the clock. That's also how this schedule really is planned out, though, you know, to, to shorten the, the entire length of the duration. you got to work 24 hours a day.
0: Right, because at a certain point, ship gets pushed back in the water. That's right. And it's got to be ready. But then even when it goes in the water... On its, on its sale to Lisbon, you're taking X number of workers with you to finish the work before it ever gets there. That's right, yeah. So it's down to the minute.
6: It's, I mean, you, we, the, the contractors walks off late in the evening. The following morning, the guests are walking on board. So it is, it's, it's like a regular implication. It's like you're coming into a port with a full ship of, 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 of guests that needs to disembark and you disembark the new guests.
0: Right, except the guests you're coming to port with have settlement torches. Right, torches. Right,
6: right, right. Just <laughs> thought I'd mention that.
1: Hello and welcome to Alaska Flight 438. We'd like to tell you now about some important safety features of this aircraft. The most important safety feature we have aboard this plane is the flight attendants. Please look at one now. Spot.
0: Every ship, you may think the captain's the most important, but even here in dry dock, there's somebody just as important. He's the executive chef, because if people don't eat, they can't finish their work. Uh, He's nodding because he knows. Werner Brenner, the executive chef, welcome to the show. Thank you. As a ship gets redone in dry dock, Everybody has their shopping list, right? Right. The technical guys want, you know, they want all flat-screen TVs. They want to redo the dance floor. They want to increase the number of, uh, the the space of the cabins and decrease the number of the cabins. They want to uh, figure out more of the techno stuff from the entertainment division. What's your shopping list?
5: Um, We do have our wish lists, but um, uh, some of them get approved and obviously some of them don't. It all depends on what really needs to be replaced or not. Um, For this year, in the main galley and in the specialty restaurants, we're only replacing the... The heating elements, which are uh, have been on the go since the beginning of the ship, but the other the other equipment gets changed throughout the ship's life. It's, of course, it's when we before it breaks down completely, of course they get changed.
0: Isn't that the motto of Crystal? Before it yes. breaks down
5: completely, I'm getting
0: yeah. <laughs> But here's the interesting thing for me: uh, every chef does have a wish list about you know we want to smoke our own fish or we
5: want to cure our own meat. We want to yep. do right. Yes. Are you doing that stuff? We do, on a continuous basis. Uh, we do smoke our own fish already. Uh, with uh, when we start, Are we talking uh, gravlax? No, we're talking trout, and we're talking uh, not gravlax, not big fish, small uh, fish. Okay. Small fish fillets, yeah. Biggest fish we would smoke is uh, Hollywood fillets, basically. Yeah. Wow. Yeah and you love doing that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How long does it take you to smoke one? Um, depends on how strong you want it. We we do either cold smoking or we do a, a hot smoking. As soon as we do hot smoking, it only takes a couple of minutes. Depends on of the thickness of the fish.
0: What's your wish list on the menu now, right? You're going out with an essentially new ship yeah, with passengers, many of whom are repeat customers who are going to be coming back as, as, as repeat guests, in some cases, multiple re- repeat guests. Yes. So let me talk about two things that are menu-related. Yep. Menu-related item number one. What's the one thing on your menu that you'll never take off because if you did, the passengers
5: would revolt? Well, if we could take, for instance, the the mushroom soup in Prego. That's a runner that will always stay on. The Osaboke in imprego, and uh, in the main dining room, we'll always have the lobster. We'll always have the prime rib, for instance.
0: But please tell me you're no longer doing baked Alaska.
5: No, we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> <long while. laughs> but you, everybody used to. Yes, we used to for a, for quite a long while. Yeah, exactly. It Used to be at the end of the cruise, we used to do the parade in the know, dining room. I've so many parades yeah.
0: I'm throwing up. But yeah. you smartly got rid of that.
5: That's not in it, yeah.
0: What's the secret of the mushroom soup?
5: Plenty mushrooms. And uh, I devised a lot of kinds of them, you know. Also to put porcini in, include the porcini and some truffles, of course, to give it more flavor. All
0: right. So those are the, the, those are the things that will never leave the menu. No. Okay. Let's switch let's switch uh, gears now. What's the one thing you put on your menu over the years that you thought, wow, everybody's going to love this. And it tanked. And what's the one thing you put on your menu thinking, no one's going to love this, and you can't stock enough of them because yeah. everybody wants it?
5: Well, it's, uh, that actually has never happened to me because uh, people are very predictable when it comes to food. If you put, if you know you're going to put a lobster dish on, you know it's going to be popular. You know what I mean? If you're going to put a chicken dish on, there's only a few that are going to eat the chicken. You know what I mean? In that sense. Yeah. So uh, we create our menus also towards that, uh, that uh, goal, and we know exactly what dishes are going to be popular before we put them on the menu. Because we have to create a menu that not everybody's going to eat the same thing at the same time. And you have to you stock know? enough
0: of it. Yeah. So. All right. So we know that lobster is a magic word.
5: Yeah. Prime rib. Yes. Magic Steaks. word. Fill steak, of course. Yes. Always. That's a traditional right. steak, bars. Yeah. And you mentioned the T word, truffle. Yep. People love that. They always love it.
0: What about the desserts? What is the one dessert item that has to stay on the menu? And we know no, it's no longer baked Alaska.
5: Yeah. I would say uh, the souffle. The souffle is always a, uh, a chocolate souffle with Grand Manier sauce. is always very popular. So when we put that on the menu, of course, it's going to run.
0: All right. So tell me the truth on this. During a seven-day or ten-day cruise, mm-hmm. how many
5: of those are you serving? The souffles? Yeah. Well, uh, we What I'm pre- trying to get to is yeah. how many of your passengers are going to eat one, like, every night? Well, uh, what we do is we have it on the menu once per cruise. Ah, and I see uh, you're and getting then, smart. Yeah. yeah, and then, of course, they can have it as special order, and they do order it as special order as well. So, so
0: once they know they can do a special Special yeah. order You got people who are doing it like Yes Yeah every night We got it So you have to stock Extra Grand Marnier sauce of course, we always have a developer. <laughs> What's the one thing that your passengers have told you? Because you say they're predictable in terms of some of the, mm. the, of their tastes. Right. That they have to have, not necessarily in terms of the food, but in terms of the wine or in terms or in terms of, of the of the other alcohol.
5: Uh, when it comes to the wine, I'm not really uh, the right person to speak to. You'll have to speak to the sommelier. Um, he's more clued up on that because right. I don't do anything with the wines apart from cook with it, obviously. Of course. Yes. Yeah. But
0: obviously people want to do pairings, so yes. they do that. Yeah. Is there one trend? I mean, 10 years... Ago, you could find maybe three cruise ships that would, or, that would offer sushi. Yeah, you do that all the time.
5: Exactly. Yeah. No, they love that. Yeah, it's, that's uh, Nobu uh, restaurant that we have on board. We serve Never the, heard of Where <laughs> We serve the sushi and sashimi and other uh, Japanese items. So yes, it's very popular.
0: So now comes the storage question. How do you provision yourself uh, so that you you don't run out?
5: Yeah. Okay. So again, considering
0: you have perishable items.
5: Yeah. Again, nowadays everything is computerized. So we can see exactly how much we used for how, how many guests. We go by uh, a guest count or a head count, and that's how we also do our ordering.
0: So you know how many people last year on this particular group yeah. ate a certain amount? Of, and exactly. You, and you can predict, or at least
5: project, yeah. Yeah. the computer model for this year. Exactly, the main items.
2: You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world.
0: If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.
4: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. <laughs> Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.
2: Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.